Hey everyone, welcome to Impact Marketer. Today's guest is a digital marketer, investor, and co-founder of Pub Consulting, a full-service digital agency that specializes in dealership marketing. Growing a nearly six-figure portfolio in stock investing since the age of 11, recently positioning Pendragon, a British-owned North American dealer group, as the number one Jaguar and Land Rover dealer in North America, positioning Chevy Puente Hills as the most improved digital traffic growth dealer in Southern California, and currently managing nearly six figures in a monthly ads in an exotic car dealer group in Los Angeles. He's been featured in Vault Magazine, and he's one of the few individuals I know that's been able to turn their love of the auto industry into a lifelong career. Please help me in welcoming Jeremy Pilatos. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Way to gas me up, bro. You did well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, glad to have you on. What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Awesome, man. Let's dive straight in. I got a ton of things I want to talk about. Um, You know, how did being a successful investor um, influence your digital marketing? Um, A lot with investing in digital marketing is analytics. So it's all about looking at, I think that's as far as it gets, to be honest, for for me, at least, Um, looking at balance sheets kind of correlates with looking at Google Analytics with like with all this like everything in, in, in that data um uh i guess the thing that that really taught me um, what i learned from investing is that is patience um with marketing it, it it you also have to a b test but there's a certain amount of patience where you can't be changing things all the time um you have to to give it a to give it its chance and and um kind of work work with what you got there so yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's a really powerful mindset that comes with investing mm-hmm. that can really help digital marketers because, yeah, digital marketing takes patience. <laughs> it does, man. It does. <laughs> a lot of A-B testing in it, and some aren't successful, but you learn from those, right? So mm-hmm. just hopefully those unsuccessful ones don't don't kill your budget too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, have you always run big cam- uh, big budgets for your campaigns what's the smallest yeah. budget you've run um yeah so it's funny because the number one ducati number one triumph dealership in, in north america when i worked for them was this small dealership um uh, in southern california it's in brea um their budget was 30 dollars a month so the, the the efficiency that you had to to um kind of the, yeah, the efficiency just was on another level. Um, um, you really had to be granular with what your targeting was. You really had to um, to look at the zero to ten mile radius, the, the ten to thirty mile radius, um, if it was worth conquesting. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But after that, I started getting into big budgets, and um, and yeah, that's that's that. Um, so I think that that actually taught me a lot too. So. Sorry. Okay, what year was this? Because thirty dollars a month sounds like it'll get <laughs> yeah. like ten clicks. Oh, exactly, man. So that was uh, that was two thousand fifteen. I want to say two thousand fifteen, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, two thousand fourteen. Which hasn't been too long. <laughs> and you actually got results with thirty dollars a month. Um, I would say we actually for for motorcycles, um, we actually got. Maybe, I think on a good month, we 
sell like two cars or two motorcycles out of it. Um, besides that, I think that's as good as it got to be realistic with you. I was also starting out um, as as an intern there, so it, it had a it was a, it was a lot of learning. Um, a lot of my failures were were through that though, um, and then I learned from them, and then decided like with a bigger budget I can learn faster. So I moved on from that decision. But yeah. so okay, um, so did so you took them to number one with that $30 budget or, yeah, or yeah. were you just, did you just help them? I helped them. I helped them. Um, I can't take all the credit for that. Um, the, the, I think what, what I really realized working with them was that the, um, just the, like the, the way they were able to connect with their customers non-digitally had such a great impact on their sales. And, um, that's the thing is like, I always thought like digital marketing was, was the one and all the final thing. And then I noticed in this small dealership, like it was their customer service. It was that connection. It was, it was gaining that retention. Um, and it was, it was really interesting learning that aspect where I, before I really got into digital marketing, um, which is a great aspect to, to learn as well. Cause I think that's, that's where value starts in, in creating a connection with other people. So, yeah. And, um, can you can you walk me through an, an example when you saw that customer service like just be absolutely yeah. excellent? Yeah, yeah. So um, in the dealership, they they don't come off as salesy. They come off as like, hey, are you looking at a Ducati? Well, like they they learn their interests of their customer, and then they actually they're they're willing to tell them about their competitors. They're willing to tell them about the people that. Um, that are, yeah, they're, they're, they're gaining, like, in exchange for information, they're gaining trust. And I think that's a value that, that not too many people see is that, that, um, that trust goes a long way, especially when in, the, in, in dealerships. Um, like, if it's almost enough to, for people to go away from one brand into another just because, like, hey, I trust, I trust the salesman. Um, I believe what he says, and he's, he's, his eyes, like, um, he's looking at what's for, for what's best for me. Um, and that goes a long way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the saying in marketing, you know, you got to give before you ask. Exactly. Um, I like that. In a very, <laughs> like, genuine, authentic manner. No, that's super cool, man. Um, you mentioned yeah. some, some, uh, really important lessons you learned with that $30 a month budget. Can you share? Them? <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So the first one for any any um, amateur, I was like, oh, Facebook boost. Let me boost this. <laughs> Just did that. Ten dollars. Like that's practically wasting ten dollars. <laughs> if you're not getting if you're not getting granular, if you're not like using um, Google Analytics with a small budget like that to target um, to like specifically target areas of um, of interest or capability, it's 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 a waste of time. Um, that took me that honestly took me half a year before I actually learned that aspect, which is which is kind of sad on my part. And then um, I think um, when you say target areas of interest and capabilities with Google Ads yeah. or AdWords yeah. or Analytics, sorry, what does that mean? Yeah. So when it comes to that, it's actually targeting like zip codes where people are capable. Like you could look at like. Uh, and I used Experian, for instance, or, 
or use this application called ZipDriven to actually look at in, income levels in the, your zero to 10 mile radius zip codes, or you actually look at um, people's interest levels when it comes to, I don't know, like super sports sold in those zero to 10 mile radius uh, zip codes as well. And then you actually, so you, you combine those interests and capabilities and you actually design your marketing campaign after that, right? You, you design it based on um, what are people looking for and what can they afford? So you kind of, AB, that's where you start. Um, well, that's where I start. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Any, any other uh, lessons from your failures there? Um, I would say that that in digital marketing, um, you have to be very logical with with um, with what you're learning. Um, so what I mean by that is is when you're looking at Google Analytics, you have to look at all right. Well, this Facebook boost did it did it target people in in areas where people are actually wanting to buy? And and you're actually looking at triggers and different conversion rates and different. Um, different uh, Google ads goals and um, it's making sure or basically what I learned just to sum it up is 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 learn what your customers are doing on your website and learn what the what your buyers are doing on your website and then most importantly learn what just tire pickers are doing on your website like you don't want to be wasting money on people that are just browsing so yeah mm-hmm and, and how do you set up your website to be able to track that? Yeah, so uh, simple things like Facebook Pixel. Um, you could do um, Google AdWords um, conversions. You could do Google AdWords um, um, goal tracking. Um, those are the simple ones. And honestly, they're they're very underrated. And I think once that's what takes an, like a, a beginner to maybe like a, a an amateur novice level. Um, Novice level, that's in us, sorry, a little more. <laughs> but, um, is here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's honestly like once you start like being able to learn those aspects and, and learn what you can do with those, such as retargeting and whatnot, man, but like, that really opens the doors and, and really made me interested in digital marketing. So, mm-hmm. um, can you get into some of those retargeting strategies? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so actually, based on, um, for example, like the Newport dealership, um, you actually when you there's something called a VDP for dealerships. This is a vehicle description page. So with this, um, you actually you can set a timer, like example, like thirty to thirty to sixty seconds, or ninety to one hundred twenty seconds, um, on a conversion for Google. And then you can actually retarget these customers with a different ad and you actually look into like if they're, if these customers are wanting to lease or wanting to finance based on the information that's coming through like Experian or Zip Driven. Um, so that's one strategy. Um, um, okay. So essentially, um, on this, on this VDP, which is like an e-com listing page, you, yeah. you segment how long someone stays on the page and you retarget them based on that. Exactly. So that's, yeah. So back to interest capability, that's kind of like showing what's, what they're interested in and if they're not just a tire kicker. Um, yeah. Okay. So you don't, you don't, um, retarget the window shoppers essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, hmm. and do you just have one retargeting sequence or do you do like one retargeting sequence for the 30 second people, but it's just a longer nurturing sequence to get them interested or, or more interested mm-hmm. because they're still interested, but not as interested as the 90 second guy. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so it really depends on your on your budget. If like if that allows for your budget, then it's worth like A/B testing. But if you're noticing that they're that you're spending five hundred dollars and these people are are aren't converting to lead forms or they're not converting to um, I'd say uh, to actual um, yeah leads either in the service or sales departments, it, it's not worth going after. So it's different with every brand. It's different with every location. Um, but I think just it really emphasizes looking at the numbers and, and seeing if it's working for you. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, man. Um, and, you know, how different was it when you started managing massive budgets compared to your, your Ducati yeah. days? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it allowed – that's the biggest growth that I got. Um, it allowed me to A-B test, and it allowed me to A-B test multiple campaigns. Um, so that's where the passion really came in is, is I was able to, to really figure out what worked and what didn't work. And I think that's what makes anybody better is, is realizing, um, um, the best practices in your field of, of expertise. And yeah, so that's, that was the biggest, uh, change that happened there. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, how do you run your A-B test? Yeah. So when it comes to an A-B test, it, it's basically, um, sometimes it's stupid and seeing if people like horny messages or if it's seeing like, um, what zip codes are people actually buying in or, um, so it really matters on, on, um, I guess the difference, um, the different opportunity levels. Um, I think, yeah, basically that, basically that, um, I run my AB test based on the different opportunity levels that are, that just mm-hmm. come about in, in the information that I get through my data. So, yeah. But how do you set it up for someone that doesn't know how to set up a split test? How, sorry, that was that? like, how do you set it up in Google AdWords? Oh, I see. I see. So basically, uh, it's it's not like Facebook where you could literally just click split test, A-B test. Um, for me, I actually build two campaigns, um, and wherever that difference maker is, just simply change that messaging, um, simply change that uh, whatever whatever um, of, uh, a variable I'm changing, just just change that. See see the results in the next month. I think that in the automotive field, there's so many trends. There's so many, um, there's so many um, things that come to play that you actually have to give it at least 30 to 60 days um, A/B test so, to actually see its performance. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it's different in in other people's fields too. I'm actually interested in, in knowing that as well. So, yeah, <laughs> interesting, man. Um, yeah. I mean, when you know we run split tests on Facebook, one we don't actually don't use that split test. Button. Really? Why is Other, that? Um, it's just not accurate. Is feedback that oh, interesting. everyone yeah. says. Yeah. So I, I run two different campaigns too. Um, yeah. And I do it by clicks. Like mm. if, if the budget allows, we go for like greater than 200 unique clicks. Okay. Um, 
And if it doesn't okay. allow, then it'll just see like 30 clicks. Uh, uh, I see. I if see. If it's like real aggressive, we'll like test 10 clicks. Uh, <laughs> I see. And that it's not, sense. it's not a true split test because of how, um, Facebook mm-hmm. uh, gets into different audience cohorts, but, um, it's oh, like, interesting. it's the best you got, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Facebook's yeah. just going to choose, you know, in the beginning in the learning phase of that ad set as a specific mm-hmm. segment. Right. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, that's just um, how I I've see. done split test. That's why I was curious that's to know how you did it on like AdWords, but it sounds very that's similar. Yeah. So you, you actually build two different campaigns instead of doing the 80 split test as well, then. Yeah. Correct. Is yeah. That, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, um, really two ad sets, but yeah, same, same thing. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, is, is that like, what, what, what kind of budgets do you, do you, um, I guess give towards those AB tests? Yeah. So, um, no more than $10 a day. That makes sense. Um, okay. yeah. just, same. just because, uh, my the way I've learned Facebook ads is that mm-hmm. one it needs time. So the first two to three days, like it's always going to be crappy. So don't yeah. blow higher budgets on that. Um, okay, yeah. And then and then yeah, like it's don't scale unless it's it's being effective with the spend. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah right, I mean, I'll here. I'll double I'll double ad spend until it hits like around fifty ish dollars. Okay. And I'll yeah. stop doubling it from there. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Yeah, cool. Man. <laughs> let, me sure. how, let me know how it works in the dealership space. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, cool, man. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is slightly on a tangent. Um, yeah, yeah. But investing, like, I, I, I'm assuming some mm-hmm. marketers are, are interested because they're business owners and no one really talks yeah. about investing in a very mm-hmm. casual way as you do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's been like your investing strategy and what, have, what success have you seen with it? Um, yeah. So I actually learned from Warren Buffett, like as, as, as a lot of people learn from. Um, so basically what I do is I look at balance sheets. That's it. And I make sure that, um, that it, it makes, I make sure that in the long run, that these stocks are still going to be there, but also are looking to improve. And not only are they looking to improve, but are they willing to execute? Um, and you can, you can really tell that from the balance sheet. You can really tell that from the, the news that's going out for that company. Um, basically, if, if the numbers check out, invest in it. Um, I only pick up to like maybe five to six stocks. Um, yeah, invest it. And then just be patient. Just be patient. Invest that you, you invest in it for a reason. I'm sure you had, like, for me, I have multiple reasons why I invest. Um, only on big triggers, like, if, if the next balance sheet shows, like, a negative 25%, um, I don't know, profit margin or something like that, or, 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 um, yeah, something like that, or where I really decide, like, okay, maybe I, I didn't look at the numbers or like, maybe like, all right, well, I need to fix, um, I need to fix how I look at, how I looked at this because it's all about perspective. But the reason why you initially invested because you really believe that the stock would be great in the long run. Um, yeah. And that's it. (laughs) And just being patient for one, for about a year, I give every investment one year before I actually make, um, 
big, big changes or actually sell off the whole investment. So, or yeah. All right. So I, you know, I pick up a balance sheet or I load a balance sheet on my browser. What am yeah, I looking yeah. at? Yeah. Yeah. So you look at, for me, it's, it's debt to equity ratios. It's looking at if their profit margins are growing. It's looking at if their actual sales are growing. Um, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's not too much rocket science. If you're, if you're seeing that this company is, is growing and investing in itself, um, which the balance sheet actually tells you, um, then it, for me, that's worth it. Um, but it's also like everybody wants to get rich really quick. And that's why I emphasize being patient. Um, cause in, if you're a short term investor, if things are very volatile, but as, as, um, as history shows in the stock market, like the stocks in general are, are going up. So it shows that patience is, is huge in investing. And I think it's, it's an undervalued asset. Like when I said I invested at 11 years old, I invested at 11 years old and by 12 year old, 12 years old, I lost all my money in that invest in those investments. But I learned from that and I was like, all right, at 13 years old, I invested again, gave it more time. Um, what didn't act upon emotions in the news was able to filter the noise and, and yeah, it's, it really shows like time in the market beats time in the market. Um, as, as cliche as that sounds, um, that was the biggest value that I got through just, just being patient as, as, as young as I was. Sorry, what was that saying again? Time in the, what was it? Yeah. Time in the market beats timing the market. So. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Got exactly. It. Cool, man. Yeah, I thought you said time in the market beats time in the market. I was like, wait, you said the same thing <laughs> yeah. twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, have you been have you been doing investments yourself before? Um, only into foreign exchange. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh man, that's a. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. All right, that's a that's another piece. I lost fifty percent uh, of my investments, and uh, I had no patience, and I freaked out, and I had to stop. I <laughs> mean. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's, it was a lesson. It was an expensive lesson, but I mean, everyone's got to learn somehow, right? So. Yeah, yeah. No, but the, I think the the methodologies that that went into the trading that I learned definitely helped. Yeah. Um, but you know, we did two different styles. Like when I was doing um, technical analysis and stuff like that. Yeah. Because um, for me, like, it it was a principles based approach to doing something, which I think works well in life and also in marketing, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a principle for me, like letting uh, a Facebook ad set running for three days at least before I do anything to it. Even though, like I may be looking at it thinking I could totally change something now. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, I think everyone wants to be, I think people mistake doing something always as being productive. And it's honestly, for me, it's, it's, a, that's not always the answer. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, busy work doesn't always mean effective work. There you go. Better way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. And, um, you know, what's been, what has it been like to work at an exotic car dealerships and sell, like, mm-hmm. Bugattis? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it's, it, it's so, I don't even know. Like, I, I still can't believe I made it this far. Um, I think, like, how it is is it's your clientele is so different. 
Like these people are multimillionaires and they're multimillionaires mostly because they're smart or they have rich parents. But either way, <laughs> you, you, yeah. either way, you, you create a, a digital marketing campaign to, to really analyze and A-B test what's working and what, what's not working, of course. And, and yeah, you have, you, it's understanding a totally different demographic than, than Chevy or, or Jaguar Land or BMW or whatever. So. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because these people either they're impulsive or they're super intelligent. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So how do, how does that messaging work? I'm sure it's way yeah. different. You know, like yeah. How do you set up that messaging? Yeah. So a lot of the messaging. Um, so it really depends what brand, of course. So like, let's take McLaren for for instance. Um, these people like. The people that buy McLarens, they're the enthusiasts. They're the pe- they're people that know like McLaren's racing um, history. They know the the performance behind the McLaren. Uh, they're not really doing it to be the flashiest people. Um, so you actually target them based on like you show you you show the I guess the benefits or you show the characteristics like the zero to sixty mile time. You show the they say mile mile per hour time. <laughs> um, um, you show the characteristics like the, uh, the lightweight exhaust, the carbon fiber chassis. Um, when it comes to brands like Lamborghini, you actually, you try to sell the lifestyle that the Lamborghini gives. You, sh- you show that what kind of looks does the Lamborghini give to people when you're, when you're driving in Los Angeles and Hollywood. Um, yeah, it's different for every brand. And I think that's the part that I love so much about um, the automotive field is that every brand has a specific customer and then you know what the, you have to learn your prey, right? Um, you have to learn what, what these people are looking for. And you also got to see as a car enthusiast myself, like what can I offer them? Like how do I change it or how do I give them for pers- perspective that I see? And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you learn each um, customer persona uh, per brand? Is this given yeah. to you by the dealership or do you do surveys? Yeah. So um, I think that's where passion comes into play. I think that's where my, just me being a car enthusiast and having an understanding of what, not only of what these vehicles are capable of, but what type of, of people are actually driving them. Um, just having that background of, of uh, just being an enthusiast myself. Um, I think when you're marketing something, um, you're giving, you're kind of giving a part of yourself to that, to those customers. You're giving them like, man, this car is so cool or so freaking amazing that I want, I want to share that experience with you. And what do those customers want to see? What do they want? Do they, do they want to see the lifestyle? Do they want to go around the track the fastest? Right. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's anything car related. So it, it, it income. Yeah. It's, it's all of it. It's all of it. It's um, but it's kind of divvying up my interest and uh, my passion to those specific customers. So I think with with anything you're marketing, that you should have a passion for it. Um, yeah, because you're giving people uh a, your perspective on what you think that that that, that they'll enjoy. So mm-hmm. sure, but there's isn't there like a ton of different brands. So you're saying you, you know, all the personas of all the brands just because you're an enthusiast. Yeah. When you're an enthusiast, man, all you do is watch car videos. So, 
Yeah. Um, um, I would say that's not 100% of it. But another aspect is actually working with the sales team. Um, that's, that's very underrated. Working with the sales team. All right, who's, who's purchasing? Just having a conversation with your sales team and seeing um, what kind of interest were they? What do they do for a living? Um, do these people, are they interested in tracking the car? Are they interested in the events that we're hosting for, for, um, for McLaren or Lamborghini? And that really tells a lot about their, their persona. They're a lot, a lot about what they're, they're buying the car for. And, um, yeah, that's, so that's another way of, of, uh, getting information that's not Google Analytics or anything like that. So, yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Um, what's like, the the most expensive car you sell oh my goodness um it would have to be i think it's like a 4.3 million kona seg um and then there's the bugatti chiron's pretty close i i don't know the price on that but yeah the bugatti's like 2.3 or something yeah 2.3 2.5 somewhere around there it depends how custom you want it but yeah. Yeah. These are ridiculous. Like those are like 10 homes in Riverside. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's, what's the campaign strategy behind like one of those cars? Yeah. So, um, those people want to feel exclusive. The reason they're, they're wanting to be, I mean, to buy those cars, they want to be the best and they want to know that maybe only 10 people in the, in the world have that car as well. Um, so not only do you have to start in it, like when you're, when you're marketing those products, you have to be reaching them in a way that's, that makes them feel special. So what you don't highlight, um, oh, you, what you do highlight are basically the things that make them feel like they're the best. Um, you make it, you highlight the, the materials in the, in the interior, you highlight the, I don't know, maybe it's, it's the fact that it's the fastest car in the world or, or whatnot. But the thing is, you, these people are interested in being the best and you feed that, that interest of theirs, right? So, um, because when people are looking at these cars, um, they, they, and they're actually interested, they're not, they're, the price isn't anything to them. You know, these people are like, they better be multimillionaires or they're going to be in debt. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. These people aren't interested in, in what the price tag says or like what the price tag is They're They want to be the best. And, um, that's how you market it to them. Uh, that when you buy this car, you're nothing even competes you on the road. So, yeah. And like, how, do you, like, how do you target these people? Yeah. So, um, you actually, a lot of it is going through your past database or you go through sites like not necessarily cars.com, but maybe like DuPont registry or something like that, where, where these people that have that type of money are looking at like, not only like, like, um, performance, but they're also looking at lifestyle. It's very, the very niche, um, the very niche, uh, I guess. Maybe, am I using this right? right? Like mediums, right? Um, where, where these people are going to, um, going to be, I guess, looking and not only looking, but also, uh, 
also a place where people can actually be forward to be forwarded information on that vehicle. So DuPont registry is it's probably the best practice right now, um, just because all the very exclusive cars are there and people know it. Um, yeah, right now, I think that's the best advice I could give. Um, but that's, of course, when it comes to $2.3 million cars. It, it's a lot of different strategy when it comes to maybe Honda or Toyota or something like that. Yeah, so these yeah. are only like the super of super cars, like not McLaren or Lamborghinis. Exactly, exactly. And, um, yeah, I think another, another aspect that I saw was that, that a lot of these super rich billionaires, um, they, they hang out with super rich billionaires. And, um, so it's almost like you're using your events team in that case and you're, you're, you're creating events catering to, for people to bring that Bugatti Shiro on. You're, you're catering to, um, to those people to bring their cars because not what because when they bring their cars they also bring their friends and those friends they see that lifestyle and they want it and and um yeah you just start to really engage them and, and create an interest for them so yeah nice yeah it's it's this entire ecosystem between the events team and the marketing team as well as the sales exactly. team that all work together exactly exactly um it's it's very underrated because I think people like to to divvy it up and that's that shouldn't be happening because when it comes to a dealership I think that that everybody has their own perspective on it and you're getting these perspectives and you're and you're learning from it you always have to be learning because the the actually the recent car market is changing so much where people are aren't buying cars they're taking Ubers and Lyfts and and whatnot so. You have to get really granular with your digital marketing, making sure your ad spend is going to uh, interested, interested and capable buyers. So, yeah. mm -hmm. Cool, man. Um, and you know what? What word of advice um, could you give? I guess dealership owners or marketing directors, like, what are the best practices that you see not being practiced? I guess at dealerships across the country. Yeah. So, um, oh my goodness. Yeah. So the thing is like the, these dealerships are, are being sold into digital marketing agencies that are big already. So I, I don't want to name them, but these, these big agencies are, they're big for a reason, but that means your competitors are using the same agencies. So there's no, for in, in the agency's mindset, there's, as long as they're keeping you as a client, they don't have to make adjustments on the fly, right? Um, so with the smaller agencies or the smaller, like maybe even a consultant or something, um, they, these people are getting very granular with, with your messaging. They're getting very granular with who you're targeting. Um, um, you're saying mistakes, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it, that's, that's the biggest mistake is is going with a big agency and not, paying attention and not knowing yourself of, of if your competition's using those same agencies, because honestly you'd go on Google and you'd see the same message on, um, or the same ad copy on, on those searches. And it, it, it's like, all right, if there's, if there's no difference, you're paying these guys so much money. You're just, you're just wasting money at that point, honestly. Yeah. Well, so that's like the biggest thing that you see. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, these, these agencies, they're not trying to build your brand. They're not trying to, um, differentiate you. And it's sad because they're just trying to keep you as a client. And, um, unless you're a digital marketer yourself and you're not understanding what's happening, it's very easy to be sold on that. Um, yeah, because these, yeah, there's a reason that they're big and, and sadly it does, um, affect their, um, regional performance and yeah. Cool, man. Last question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what do you want to be known for in 10 years? <laughs> known for in 10 years. Oh man. You know, if you asked me this in college, I wanted to be the digital marketing director or I didn't, I wanted to be the marketing director for Toyota. Um, but now I, I noticed like, I love the competition of dealerships. I love, I love being known as the number one, like, um, dealership in, in Southern California number, like, and, um, I think I just want my name to be related to being the guy that loves cars so much that he understands what, what, what people are wanting in a vehicle, whether it's a Prius, whether it's a McLaren or, or, anything else like that it's um i have such a passion for this where honestly it doesn't feel like work for me um it feels like it feels like just a hobby so i think that's where i want i I want people to realize is that and and that work really reflects your passion and that that um i don't know i yeah I guess, I guess that, I, I don't know if I can go too deep in that, but, um, yeah, just the guy that loves marketing what he loves and giving value to customers that, that he thinks can get value from, from the vehicles that he, that he markets. So, yeah. You want to be the car whisperer. Exactly, man. Exactly, man. <laughs> cool, dude. Thanks yeah, so much dude. for being on, man. Uh, where can people yeah, find out more you. about you? Um, yeah, so. You can message Cloud Consulting, or you can um, go to uh, my Instagram is Jeremy from Marketing, or you can actually email me at JeremyBolanosMarketing at gmail.com. So, yeah. Cool, man. And uh, where can they message you for Cloud? Yeah. So on messaging me for Cloud, they could just go to CloudConsulting.com, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, okay. Oh, it's spe- just spelled like C-L-O-T. K L O U T. Yeah, sorry. Cool. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Bye.